Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Al D, and the author of MBA Insider. This podcast is for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help professionals grow their careers. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I'm the host of the MBA Insider Podcast and the founder of MBAschool.com. Today, I'm excited because I have with me Becca Jordan, who's the founder and CEO of Piedmont Pennies, as well as a UNC Keenan Flagler MBA alum from the class of 2021. Becca is a longtime supporter of MBA Schooled, uh, and this is her second time on the podcast. And this time, we're going to have her talk about Piedmont Pennies and her journey to founding her company. And before we get too deep into it, uh, first and foremost, uh, Becca, thank you so much for joining me today. I always love to kick off with a warm-up question, so I would love to know from you Tell us a book that has had a profound impact on your life. Thanks for having me, Al. You're incredible. And what you created with MBA Schooled uh, is phenomenal. It's been an amazing year watching you grow, and I'm happy to be a part of it. Yeah, as Al said, hi, everyone. I'm Becca Jordan-Wright, founder and owner of Piedmont Pennies, North Carolina's handcrafted cheese snack. Uh, and I will jump more into that. Good question, Al. The, the book that's had biggest influence on my life. Obviously there's several, but the, the one that immediately comes to mind is smart people should build things. It's by Andrew Yang. Yes. The man who uh, ran for president. He's incredible. That book I was given as a gift from my former manager at my, at my previous employer. And it really shifted my mindset on the idea of what we call the, the, the brain drain, he calls it. So a lot of Really smart, hardworking, high emotional intelligence, people going straight from college into investment banking, law degrees, and consulting. And it just talked a lot about how we're losing that entrepreneurial spirit in the funnel of smart people that want to create and innovate new things because they're getting tricked into the lifestyle of some of these industries. So that was an awesome book and it really opened my eyes to the idea of entrepreneurship. Thank you for sharing that. And from a little bit of what I know about Andrew Yang, I could totally see how his thinking in that book played an impact in your own life and what I think you're going to talk about in a little bit. So to get started, would love to know maybe from you, tell me a story from your childhood that has had a profound impact on your life. There's so many. I think what comes to mind is one that is integral to the founding of Piedmont Pennies. So I grew up around the holidays with my dad on a stool before I could reach the counter, helping him literally pinch pennies, pinch the dough of Piedmont Pennies, and what we called cheese pennies at the time, to make them for gifts for our neighbors and friends around the holidays. So every year we're making these gifts, we're wrapping them in cellophane bags, we're, I'm dropping them off to neighbors, and my dad really told me about the history of pennies, him remembering, pinching them with his mom, her giving him grief because they were too big or because they were too small, because they're very bite-sized, kind of almost more half-dollar size. And for me, it was just a reminder of the importance of tradition and something that we take for granted or we want to you know, innovate again and have something brand new. But sometimes it's just the simplicities of everyday traditions with family that not everyone shares or some people are curious about and want to be a, a part of. That experience led me to think about pursuing pennies full-time because we got great feedback on it. 
And I drafted a one-page business plan of what pennies would look like in a jar, where we'd sell them, what our go-to-market would be. And again, it was one page, very juvenile, like freshman year of college. But it wasn't until after a couple of years in consulting, coming back and saying, actually, I think this needs to happen sooner rather than later. This is awesome. I'm passionate about hospitality and giving back to North Carolina. How can we bring this brand to life and really share the power of pennies? And for me... That happened really in the, the founding of Pennies in September 2020 during the pandemic because we really wanted to give people a reason to, quote, stay cheesing is our slogan. I think it, really sharing that moment with my dad was something that really gave me, again, the felt the power of tradition and helped me realize, like, it's the little things in the everyday that we can find to be mediocre, but there could be something really special. So you, you mentioned you graduated from undergrad, you went out and you worked for Deloitte Consulting, but then eventually you made your way to business school and getting your MBA at UNC Kingdom Flagler. You were perhaps a little bit unsure of your next step in your career, but what else prompted you to go and pursue an MBA? Yeah, to make it easy, Al, I was very lost. <laughs> I knew in my gut I wasn't extremely happy in the consulting industry that I was in, but I didn't know what else was out there. I'm a very curious person, extremely hardworking, sometimes to my detriment. And so I said, oh, MBA makes the best, you know, the most sense. UNC Kenny Blackwell has a phenomenal program. I will be in state there. I already know Chapel Hill. It's an incredible campus. And for me, I chose Kenny Blackwell really because of the balance. A top 20 program that had extremely helpful professors, staff, alumni, that was huge, and second years at the time that really lent a lot of their time and energy to help first year succeed in both the career, the personal, adjusting to Chapel Hill, and, and again, exploring and being curious into new industries. So I knew that a career pivot was an option, but I honestly didn't believe enough in myself that I could make the jump straight into the food industry or into hospitality from federal consulting. And so that was the reason that I was like, you know what, Chapel Hill, again, seems like this great balance and there'd be plenty of people that could help me get there and help me explore entrepreneurship. So that was a reason I know a lot of people say, could you have gotten where you are today without the MBA? I think it would have taken me a little bit longer. I wouldn't have had the, that community support and that chance to reflect for two years and really be connected to the entrepreneurship community. But I, I do think it's inter- integral to the progress I've had today. I could see how you could come to the conclusion that an MBA is a great next step. But one of the things that strikes me is that I think number one, when you go to these large companies and you do have an opportunity to continue to progress, but it just doesn't appeal to you, I think that's certainly that's one thing. But I think the second thing that sometimes is tough is when you look around you and the other people and looking at them and seeing how they seem to be well intended on a particular path and well locked into a particular path, but you feel also a little helpless because you aren't sure what that is because you aren't clear on that. I'm wondering if those types of challenges were things that you thought about in terms of what you said, in terms of not necessarily wanting the path ahead of you at the time when you were working for Deloitte, as well as just looking around at your peers. Yeah, this, um, there's always like a ladder for high achieving people everywhere from the second you get into college to what degree, what program are you getting into? Where's your internship? What activities are you in leadership positions? What job do you get straight out of school? And I was starting to see people at Deloitte a few years older than me 
we're starting to go to incredible MBA programs or going back to get PhDs, switching to tech companies, switching to other consulting firms. And so for me, I was like, oh, MBA makes no sense. I'm most curious about that. So I just felt lost because I would come home from work and feel like I was in this hamster wheel and there was no end in sight. And I, I was looking around at the different people that I was working with. And I was like, I don't want to emulate any of them. Not so much in their personality or anything because they were the best people, but it was like in what they were doing and their work-life balance. And I said, for me, my network's back in North Carolina. My community's there. I care a lot about the state. I want to be doing something that really focuses on building commerce there. That's really why, what I mean by feeling lost, not having my network, but also I hate the term purpose or passion because I think people throw those around so easily. I had a great experience working at Deloitte, but one of the things I will say that I did find it hard sometimes was that when you are surrounded by so many smart, intelligent, and hardworking people, also very driven people, it's really easy to look at them and want to want the same things that they want or to think you want the same things that they want because that is what it looks like in your head to be quote unquote successful. But I would have also learned is that over time, no amount of success working towards someone else's version of success is really ever going to make you happy enough. It really does take looking within and thinking for yourself of what success looks like that is going to ultimately make you happy or fulfilled or feel good about in the long run. But it does really take some intentionality to really think about that. And I'm really glad that you were able to do that and figure out that an MBA could be the best next step for you, for Becca. Exactly. It, it, it's hard to do that when you go, but again, it's that like taking the second to stop and reflect. I hate the five-year plan crap also because it's, it changes every three months, I feel like for me, and it's exhausting to me. But it is a really good thought exercise. It makes you feel valuable and it helps you remember that at the end of the day, it's what you really want to get out of this wild and crazy life. How are you going to achieve? I'm really glad you brought up the five-year plan or the five-year roadmap because I want to say I do think it can be a really valuable exercise for a lot of people, but you and I used to be both consultants. So let's play a little bit of inside baseball here. So one of the most common projects you do in consulting is this idea of, a, of an assessment and a strategy roadmap. And it's pretty simple. You do a current state assessment for a couple of weeks to assess where the, the company is right now. And then you do what is called like a future state analysis. So that's like the where they want to go. And then the third phase of that is like the roadmap, which is supposed to take you from where you are today to where you want to go to the future in a very tactical way. And in some cases, you certainly got on projects where you did this project where you would do the assessment, you would do the roadmap, and then you would start implementing on the roadmap right away. But often, more times than not, even the best roadmap sometimes gets blown up or sometimes is unable to be executed on because the rules of the game change or the circumstances change or a new leader comes in. And as you're talking out loud just about how you just said it felt like your career roadmap was changing every few months, it reminded me of some of those experiences of working in consulting where the roadmap just couldn't be implemented, not because anyone did anything wrong, but because the rules of the game changed or the environment had changed. And so I think it's really great if you are someone who can live by your roadmap, whether it's for a consulting project or for your career. But I also think that sometimes there's an acknowledgement that we need to make that sometimes the roadmap doesn't 
lead you to where you think it's going to go right away on those terms. Sometimes other things happen and occur that make us need to really revisit that roadmap or build a new roadmap or build an iteration of that roadmap instead. But with this idea of the roadmap, when you got to business school, when you got to UNC Keenan Flagler, what did you start exploring or what did you think your roadmap for your career was going to look like at that point when you first started? Yeah, I, I, that's the right term. Like customer journey map is like what I think of, the, the pain points and everything. So I'll put you in my shoes. I came in, came in, missed the first day orientation, get thrown into classes and everything. I tried to work up into the last minute to save money. Highly don't recommend that. I get thrown in with the classes and the recruiting. And I was casting a very wide net just to see, throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. Looking at big tech, looking at other consulting firms. Oh, maybe I want to do real estate. I had no idea. A lot of those big tech companies come and recruit early. And I found that a lot of my former employees with me and in consulting were switching to big tech. The cooler culture, the pay was great, fun places to live, a lot of perks at work and working at things at scale. Like it, it sounds so intriguing and, and something where you can constantly be learning. So I got a offer at Facebook in January, accepted it pretty quickly. I wanted the security in that. I was getting married that following summer. I wanted to just have a plan with, with my fiance at the time and a husband now. So for me, I was just so excited to be in Sunnyvale to work on misinformation and spam and to be, be with Facebook. However, it wasn't really until January, February, when I got deeper into my electives that I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa what is this entrepreneurship? That can actually be for me, not just someone with a tech app idea that wants to go in and blow up the app store. This actually with, with my food business and with the idea of pennies or just being in hospitality, how can I leverage my classes to actually get something out of it where I can be, become my own entrepreneur, like my own, you know, entrepreneurial self. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I'd already accepted the, the Facebook offer. So I was tied down for the summer, that upcoming summer. However, I was done recruiting. So I was able to really focus and dive into my launch Chapel Hill cohort, um, which is a startup accelerator in Chapel Hill, as well as my Entrepreneurship Venture Capital Club, which is an industry club at Cannon Flagler, as well as uh, courses, Internet Entrepreneurship, Entrepreneurial Finance, Startup UNC, several others. So the journey was a bumpy one. It was, there was a lot of stress and then there was a lot of relief. But I think the biggest thing for me was trusting my gut. And it was right around when COVID was you know, you know, going to place my whole fourth mod, we call it a quarter, was virtual. And so it was right when that was happening, my whole second year was virtual too. But right as that was happening, it was when I was really getting that time to reflect and be in my own thoughts at home. And when I really could listen to my passion and curiosity for the food business. And so I did 110% of my internship at Facebook, got a return offer. And it was as I was looking for real estate in that city that I was you know, supposed to be in that I really turned to my husband and I was like, I got to try pennies. I have to. I'm picking a launch day. I'm getting my website. We're going live with orders. We're doing penny pickups. We're shifting direct to consumer. We're buying the jars. I'm getting the commercial kitchen space. Like I've got to give this a shot because I do not want to be on my deathbed wondering what if. And so that's a little bit about the up and down and how I ultimately got to that conclusion to start pennies. So it sounds like even though you recruited for tech and got some great opportunities that you also found some opportunities to really explore entrepreneurship and this bug 
to the point where you really did started to formulate your thought process around bringing Piedmont pennies to life. But it also sounds like there was a little bit of challenge in terms of the actual decision to turn down your full-time offer and to decide to really jump in and go full-time on this. I know on the surface, it totally makes a ton of sense, but I don't imagine that this was as easy and as seamless as a decision as maybe uh, you're articulating it. What was that process like for you to really go and realize this could be the best opportunity for you to pursue building Piedmont pennies? You know, I wish I could say there was a lot of logic involved. There really wasn't. It was a gnawing gut feeling from the second I, I got into my first entrepreneurship class and I started talking to people in entrepreneurship that were starting their adventures. My friend Alex Brandwine, who owns Brandwine's Bagels in, in Chapel Hill, being one of them, just saying, wait, I do have what it takes. Wait, I do have this, quote, entrepreneurial spirit. I do have this yearning to create something and innovate on something. I just always thought that it would have to be a piece of tech. Like I always thought that it would have to, I would have to get the tech, big tech experience, start my own app. And that's how I was going to be a quote successful entrepreneur. But for me, I was like, why am I not sticking to what I know best, which is pennies and what I'm passionate about, which is helping other people feel safe and supported in whatever environment they're in and also helping people smile. That's exactly where I want to be in this world. And so for me, it, again, this gnawing feeling, not a ton of logic, but I kind of felt like I left myself, let myself down when I did accept the Facebook offer because in the back of my head, I said, wow, you just, you know, wasted three months of this, of your summer working instead of working on what you really want to put into the world. And I had a good talk with Alex and he was like, Becca, you can choose pennies at any time. It's going to be there. But one book that I like highly recommend by, by Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love is Big Magic. And she talks about ideas being creative in nature and the idea that they're actually alive. And that if an idea, if you don't take advantage of the idea, someone else will, it will pass through you and pass on to someone else. Anyway, that's really stuck with me as of recently because I'm like, wow, you know, if I hadn't started pennies, there might be another North Carolina's handcrafted cheese snack or snack of some sort out there that's accomplishing a similar mission, but something I can't be a part of. I'd like to say, Al, that it was a lot of logic involved, but it's like a gut feeling. It was a lot of talking to other people and it was a lot of introspection. One of the things that I'm thinking about as you're playing this experience back to me is that. Sure, it took some time to figure out what decision you needed to make in terms of if you wanted to pursue Piedmont pennies or if you wanted to take this offer, but you were putting in the work. You were in your entrepreneurial classes. You were in the Adams apprenticeship. You were getting feedback from mentors from other entrepreneurs that were out there. And I think, honestly, what you were really doing was just increasing the surface area for these collisions to happen, to come up with ideas, to meet people like Alex who could guide you on his own journey for how he was able to do it. For surface area, for other collisions that led one to one step after the next to, to the point where you just had the surround sound of collisions telling you, Becca, you, you got to go and do this. This is the time to do it. And I do think that there is something to be said about this notion that, you know, luck happens when preparedness meets opportunity, but the more you put yourself out there, the more you put your chance to have these collisions and the more surface area you, you really cover to have a lot of these things fall into place. I really like that. It's a great point. 
I think a lot of people think, oh, you just signed up for the opportunity, but you forget that like saying yes to something is saying no to something else. And it is so critically, I'm reading that Greg McEwen book about effectiveness. And it is so true that I had to set my priorities and with the help of, of my husband, not going to lie, you need someone that kind of can wake you up to thinking that you are superwoman in a lot of ways, but like you can't say yes to everything and expect a hundred percent. You just can't. And so while I'd like to think that I'm a, I'm a good leader, I am a very like heartfelt leader. I could, could not possibly take every leadership opportunity that was given to me at Keenan Flagler or outside of it in my nonprofit spaces that I support. And so for me, I had to sit and say first priority, like being a great wife and grow, growing in our marriage. Second, pennies. Third, quiv, Carolina women in business. I had to stick to that and be very true to that. And I put it on post-it note and literally stuck it to my desk in my room and said, no mas, Becca, like this is it. You can't subscribe to any more leadership opportunities. So yeah, to answer your question, it was a lot of, like you said, preparing more surface area for those collisions. And I really dove deep into joining an accelerator, Launch Chapel Hill, getting involved with Adam's Apprentice, which is a cohort of entrepreneurial-minded students at UNC's. And also just really connecting in Carolina women in business with alumni, doing our conference and partnering with the Black Business Student Association to make sure that the people of color in our program were feeling supported as well. And that Quid was helping in that. So the biggest thing was prioritizing, right? I said pennies, like I'm at marriage, pennies, Carolina women in business. So I couldn't say yes to anything else. I also took less courses than probably I should have just because I said, okay, if I'm literally going to get in the kitchen and be baking for 30 hours a week about every night after classes from 8 p.m. till 2 a.m., then I probably need to think seriously about taking less classes. I'd say the nitty gritty is so true. I was talking to everyone. What do I need to do to get this thing going? How do I get a nutrition label? How do I talk to Alex about going to Restaurant Depot? How does that even work? Where do I get my, I can't just go to Harris Teeter and buy all their butter. Like it's not going to work. How do I get things delivered? How do I rent this kitchen? How do I get inspected by the North Carolina Department of Agriculture? My jars, my labels, what does retail even look like? Am I ready for that? My website. All of that was just, I like to say, my friend Michael told me at my time in consulting, he's an amazing guy, he's his PhD now, and he was like, if you can do one thing a day to push you closer to like your dream, that's enough. And I think that took an incredible amount of pressure off of me because there's so many other priorities going on some days. Some days it's a Carolina Women in Business Day. Some days it was a Facebook day that summer, especially some days it was hanging out with my family and with my husband and dog. You've got to find that balance. But if I could do one thing, if I could send one email to a potential mentor, if I could send one email to a board of advisors to get feedback, if I could go make one trip to Restaurant Depot, bake one batch of pennies, like literally that was helping me move forward and it had a snowball effect. So I'd love to know when you started really getting into building Piedmont pennies, what did you enjoy the most? What was the most life-giving? What really gave you a lot of energy from being an entrepreneur? It was liberating to be my own boss and have the autonomy to say, okay, this is what I want to create today. This is our priorities. You're never going to do it. I can also make that 10 o'clock coffee chat with Alex or with someone else. It is just so life-giving to be your own boss and have control of your schedule. I, I, I like to say that because I felt a lot of the inefficiencies in working for big companies and feeling like, 
this is a great product and it could go to the client right now. However, it's got to go eight ways up the chain, eight ways back down the chain with edits. It's morphed into a totally different deliverable. And now it's my time to leave the project. Like it was just felt so exhausting. And I was like, wow, I think I can do this maybe in a little different sphere, different industry, but I think I can do this more efficiently and to make more impact and put better vibes out there. Yeah. Liberating. I love uh, that's like the best term. I think challenging in that, oh yeah, I know you, how do I do this? Researching this or that, figuring out my modeling, my projections, do I have cash flow? How do I figure out payroll taxes eventually? Uh, workers comp, what does that all look like? And am I getting the right terms and conditions with my lease and with my retailers? Is this normal for them to order this way? I have no idea. I've never been a retailer. So for me, it was like a lot of the challenges of just not being afraid to learn something new and to be the newbie and to just get feedback from people. You can't, act, it's pride thing. You can't expect to have it all figured out. So liberating, challenging, however it is, being very real with you, it's very lonely. I'm such an extrovert, hence why I'm in a food and beverage hospitality industry and do consulting. The highlights of my day are doing things like this and talking to other entrepreneurs and being able to mentor other people. But it's when I'm maybe even a bunch of procurement and invoicing and trying to figure out how can we get this at the best price to keep it price low for our customers? What do our customers want to see on our website? And maybe what's wrong with this customer's order? How can we make it better? It's hard to take that feedback, not take that feedback personally. And I will never forget, it was about three days before Christmas. I was baking up until Christmas Eve. Honestly, I had to go late to my family's Christmas event because it's the first holidays of Pima Pennies and I did not do predictions and know how much we would blow up. And I was going to bed. It was about three something in the morning. I got back from the kitchen I, like a stupid person, check my phone, check my email, and I see like a scathing review from a uh, customer that I didn't know, and it was talking about how our product was damaged and ship and shipping, which once it leaves our facility, we have a little control over what UPS or USPS does with it. However, I did learn my lesson about, you know, how to properly package my product and also, like, I thoroughly thanked that customer for taking the time to even give me feedback. Now, if you give me feedback, like, I will give you free things. I need all the feedback that I can get to make a customer-centered approach to our growth and our development. But that's, I just want to describe a time where it felt, like, very lonely and very much like I'm the only person that could have done better. There's no one to throw blame on. And it, it does call out your flaws. I can definitely see how being an entrepreneur can be particularly lonely. And I also know you also come from a profession and client service where you're constantly surrounded by people. So how did you find ways or how do you find ways as an entrepreneur to really be able to fill that cup you have for wanting to be energized by being around others? Uh, I know that's something I struggle with myself. Several ways I fill my cup. First, I probably talk too much about my business to my husband, Kobel. He is a saint and will come in from his long day of corporate America. And I'll be like, oh, this happened today. We got this order or this retailer reached out or we did this website enhancement. So he's incredible and very patient with me. I do talk a lot to my employees. So we have three um, employees. We also had interns this summer from UNC. So checking in with them frequently, bouncing ideas off of them, even if it's not really in their wheelhouse or in their job description, just treating them just as much as partners in the business and getting their opinion on it because they're extremely smart individuals. And again, it, it takes a village. And so talking to them is, is awesome. I also try to make 
connections everywhere that I can. So whether that's a catering company in the kitchen that I'm in or turning around and it's a machine equipment supplier or salesman that comes in to talk about a different oven rack or dough depositor. I try to make connections with everyone because you never know. First of all, it's a small world. Second of all, you never know how you can help them and how they could be of service to you. So I love that, like you said, being in service to others because I want to know how I can help you, what I can do to further your business, make your life easier and be a friend to you. Also, vice versa, knowing that in the end, if there's ways that you can help me, I would love to know. And so I've learned that really, especially in my time at Deloitte, that I believe people are good, inherently good. And so talking to my employees, talking to people that I just connect with in my random environment is extremely important. Lastly, I'd say I keep up with my launch cohort and the newsletter that other people need seller in other startup communities, whether that's through podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts, whether I'm fulfilling orders or running errands, making deliveries, going to UPS, going to my suppliers. I'm constantly listening to podcasts and trying to feel connected and also joining my startup CPG community which with other mainly food and beverage CPG companies and just learning from them and trying to support one another. Now that you've taken this path of entrepreneurship, I'd be curious to know, what do you think now about your own future career and your own future career development? How has this changed, particularly since you have graduated with an MBA and taken this path of entrepreneurship? I feel much more empowered, to be honest. I feel like I own my career, literally have my hands on the journey that I want to take. I don't know if it was the MBA gave me the confidence toolbox, the network, the mindset, the perspective, all of I, I feel like I'm ready to take on whatever's next. Who knows what will happen in a year, two years, five years, 10 years. I'm, but like you said, you have to look back and, and think about what did I enjoy as a kid? What did I enjoy this year? And, and build that into the life you're trying to create. And thinking about what's next, I, you know, with my board of advisors quarterly meeting, I do talk about like goals for the company. And for me personally, I want to be a better like brand ambassador for local businesses. Talk a lot about the importances of supporting local small business, local commerce, local supply chain, and how that is literally supporting your neighbor next door or the store down the street or the maker down the street. And so I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if that will be strictly in food manufacturing, whether that's pivoting and becoming more of a market for small businesses with pennies or even jumping more into an entertainment space and being able to showcase other North Carolina companies and businesses and tell their stories. I love, I also love journalism and I love again connecting with other people and figuring out how to help them. We'll see how my dream would be on a, a PBS show and be able to go around North Carolina and meet small makers and just tell their story. We'll, we'll see if something like that's in the, in the cards in the next couple of years. Becca, thank you so much for joining today. I've loved hearing about your journey to creating Piedmont Pennies. Uh, if people want to learn more about Piedmont Pennies, maybe buy some or come find you, where can they find you? We're at Piedmont Pennies. So that's P-I-E-D-M-O-N-T, Pennies. So Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, you can find us there. You can also find us at PiedmontPennies.com. We ship to all 50 states. Currently, we would love to get some pennies in your hands. We have also retailers in North Carolina, South Carolina, and now Georgia. So if you're uh, interested, you can check out our retailers tab as well. Hi, everyone. LD here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. 
find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.